Well, good morning, church. I'm so glad that we're all here together this morning. I'm really excited about today. Uh, As you saw in the video just now, uh, you may have noticed this about me. Uh, You may have noticed that I have pretty terrible eyesight. In fact, when I was in second grade, my teacher at the time noticed this about me. It didn't matter where in the room that I sat. I could sit uh, on the left side of the room, right side, in the front, or in the back, and no matter where I was, I had this really kind of dumb look on my face. It was my eyes were squinting almost all the way closed just so that I could see, just so I could uh, try and find out what the teacher was writing on the board, what was going on at the front of the room. And, uh, and so from a very early age, from second grade on, I have worn prescription lenses to try and correct my eyesight, to try and help me be able to see. Now, in the past couple of uh, sections on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has been talking about the eyes a lot. You may remember last week, John Mark talked about Matthew chapter 6, especially the last half of the chapter. In this part of the chapter, Jesus talks about how the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, then your heart will be full of light. But if your eyes aren't good, uh, then your your heart will be full of darkness. And, And Jesus is trying to make a point here that where our eyes are focused on, what we are looking at, where we're moving towards, is who we are becoming. It's, it's like what we're becoming is what we're looking at. Uh, if we see something that's good, then that's what we'll yearn for. But if we see something that's bad, then we will eventually become bad as well. Well, today we're going to continue our study in the Sermon on the Mount. We're in Matthew chapter 7 today, and Jesus is going to have several things to say to us in this chapter. Uh, as we read through today, I think that what you'll notice is that seemingly what Jesus has to say is unrelated that as we read through the different sections in the first part of Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is bouncing around from topic to topic, talking about totally unrelated things. But then, when we get to the very end of this section, Jesus is going to tie everything he's talked about together. In fact, you've already seen this uh, verse. This verse played at the very end of the video there. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, Do unto others as you would have them do to you. But before we get there, let's back up and let's look at Matthew chapter 7 right at the beginning to see what Jesus is talking about. Uh, In this section, I want you to pay special attention as we read this to to what Jesus is talking about here because he's identifying an obstacle that is in front of us that we have to overcome, that our faith must overcome. And so pay attention to the obstacle that Jesus is talking about as we read this section together. Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 1. Do not judge, so that you may not be judged. For with the judgment you make, you will be judged. And the measure you give will be the measure you get. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your neighbor, let me take the speck out of your eye while the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. So what obstacle is Jesus talking about here? What is it that Jesus is so concerned about? Notice that it's exactly the kind of thing that we put in our own path. Jesus says that uh, often we're going to find ourselves in situations where we're going to want to judge people, where we're going to want to to see what people are doing and to tell them that they're doing it right or that they're doing it wrong. And, And a lot of times whenever we do this, we do this without paying any attention to what's going on in our own lives, what's going on within us. We don't even see the log in our own eyes. We don't even see the things that we ourselves are doing that are standing in our way to following Jesus. We began this whole series by saying that what Jesus wants us to do, what what Jesus is trying to get us to accomplish with this sermon, is to take seriously the call of faith, to be a serious disciple, a serious follower of Jesus. And if we're going to do that, if we're going to become the type of follower that Jesus is asking us to become in this chapter, then that means that we have to look at ourselves. 
We have to look at the things that we're doing. Jesus talks about judgment in this passage. This is such an incredibly important point in the sermon because Jesus wants us to know that how we judge is exactly how we are going to be judged. And Jesus is trying to tell us here. He's trying to help us to understand this about ourselves, that we most need and often neglect judging ourselves, looking within, Because it's so much easier to see the flaws in other people. It's so much easier to see what's going wrong in the world around us than it is to look within and to judge ourselves. And especially to do this first and foremost and and as, as our primary objective. Jesus, when he says, do not judge, is often misrepresented here. Because it's as if he's giving us a command that we can't hope ever to, to fulfill. We can't ever hope to complete this commandment, to follow it. We're judging people all over the place. But the, the word that Jesus uses here, do not judge, it has the connotation of do not condemn. Don't, don't just uh, judge people, uh, especially don't condemn them. Jesus wants us to pay attention to this teaching because what we're most often going to do, what, what is uh, most often within us is to judge others in their worst moments and then to look at ourselves in our best moments. And then to compare the two. And what Jesus wants us to do is is to give one another the benefit of the doubt. And and to really turn this around and and to give the other person the benefit of the doubt. But then to look at ourselves in our worst moment and to apply the standard that we want to apply to them, to ourselves. That we have to judge ourselves before we do anything else. Jesus says in one of his most important sermons ever. Probably the most important sermon ever preached in all of history. He tells his followers, if you're serious about following me then you better stop judging and you better start changing yourself. It's only when you've changed who you are, when you apply the standard of judgment to yourself rather than to other people, it's only then that you'll truly know what it means to follow Christ. It's only then that you'll truly know what it means to help the people around you. Notice that Jesus doesn't say, don't take the speck out of your neighbor's eye, but he first and foremost wants us to take the log out of our own. Because Jesus knows that for us to be true followers, true disciples, it means that we have to put some stakes in the ground and make some claims. That that the judgment that we give to others is not to condemn them, but to help them. To gently correct them. And in fact, Jesus goes on in this next section to say this incredibly bizarre thing. Just one verse, and Jesus says something so crazy, so out there. It's so offensive to us, but listen to what he says in verse 6 of chapter 7. Do not give what is holy to dogs, and don't throw your pearls before swine, or they will trample them underfoot, and then they will turn and maul you. This is seemingly this crazy sentence that Jesus just, just throws out there in the middle of the sermon. It doesn't really seem connected to what Jesus has just said, and in fact, it kind of seems offensive to us. Don't give what's holy to dogs. Don't throw pearls before pigs. In the time that Jesus is preaching this, people often referred, especially the Jewish people, often referred to the Gentiles as pigs or as dogs. And it's this incredibly offensive statement about these, uh, this other group of people. It's, it's this incredibly racist st- statement. It's, it's, that's what it seems like. And so is Jesus here uh, continuing this, this seemingly racist statement, this, this condemnatory statement about these other, this other group of people? What is Jesus trying to accomplish by saying this crazy sentence? You've got to remember that for the Jewish people, 
in their context that pigs and dogs, the two animals that Jesus talks about here, these are unclean animals. And they're not unclean because of, of who they are. They're not unclean because uh, God created them poorly or, or because they're not good in the end of God's creation. They're unclean because of, of what function they, they bring to society. Uh, and, and so in the law, in the, in the Old Testament, Jesus, uh, Moses defines what is unclean. And, and oftentimes, whatever Moses defines as unclean, it's unclean because maybe it's mixing two different things that don't really seem like they're supposed to be mixed. Uh, maybe it's bringing together things that, that are unhealthy uh, with something that's healthy. Uh, maybe, it's, maybe in this instance, a great example is a carrier of disease. Uh, dogs and pigs are, were notorious for, for carrying disease. And so Jesus here, he's trying to communicate. Don't give what's good, what's holy, what's clean to something that's unclean. Don't mix those categories. Jesus isn't talking about groups of people here as much as he's talking about the type of people that he wants us to become. He's not trying to make a distinction between Jew and Gentile. He's trying to make a distinction between follower and those that don't follow. Jesus wants us to truly give all that we are to following him. And so he says, don't give what's holy. Don't give my teaching, Jesus says, to people who won't understand it and to people who won't follow it. Instead, make sure in your own life that you're following these teachings. Don't give my teaching in your own life, to what is unholy and what is unclean. Jesus isn't calling out the Gentiles here. He's not making a statement that the Jews are better than the Gentiles. In fact, he's doing what he just did in the section before this. He's calling us to judge ourselves first, to apply the standard that we want to apply to everyone else to ourselves. Apply that standard at home first. Don't ignore my teachings. Don't throw out what I have to say to you. If you do, it'll be like that pig that turns around and mauls you. Jesus wants his followers to take seriously this charge to obey, to listen, to judge what Jesus is saying, and then to apply it in their own lives, to change who they are first and foremost. And when they do, when you do, it just might be that we learn what it means to follow Jesus. In verse 7, Jesus starts another seemingly disconnected passage. Read with me in verse 7. It says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks, receives. And everyone who searches, finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for bread, will give a stone? Or if the child asks for a fish, will give a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Jesus uses the language of prayer here. He wants his followers to connect with God. He says, first and foremost in in this chapter, he says, if you want to be my follower, then apply the standards that you want to apply to others, first and foremost to yourself. Next, he says, don't ignore my teachings. And then here in this third section, Jesus says, and trust that God will will provide for you. Notice that Jesus uses the image of a parent and a child here. He wants wants his followers to connect his provision, God's provision, with that of a parent. A parent who cares so deeply for their child, who, who won't give them a stone or a snake for dinner, but will instead give them bread or fish. Something good for them, something that they can eat. 
something that will sustain them. God uses this, Jesus uses this language of prayer not because uh, if we ask for anything, we're going to get everything. Not because if we knock at any door, it's going to be open to us. Not because if we search for something, we are guaranteed to find it. This is one of the most misunderstood stories, teachings that Jesus gives. It's not that if we ask for anything, we're going to get it. It's if we ask God for what we need, God is good to provide for us. Remember back last week, John Mark talked about this in chapter 6. The, the section in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, don't worry. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear. Don't worry about where you're going to live. God takes care of his creation. God takes care of you and I. Ask for what you need, and God will provide for you. See, one of the things that we're most tempted to do with passages like these are to say that if we ask for what we want, we're going to get it. But I think Jesus is trying to help us understand that in the kingdom of God, in this new reality that Jesus is bringing about, in this a thing that Jesus is inviting us to in this sermon, that what Jesus wants his followers to do and how he wants them to obey is not about getting what they want, but about trusting that God is enough for them. That in their moments of greatest need, in your moments of greatest need, that if you call on God, he will provide. It may not be in the way that you want. It may not be in the way that you thought. But God is the one who provides for us. Look at what God, look at what Jesus gifts us with in verse 12. In everything, do to others as you would have them do to you. For this is the law and the prophets. Jesus has said that he wants us to pay close attention to how we are living. Rather than judging others, rather than condemning others, to look within and begin to change our own lives. He's told us uh, that we ought to pay attention. We can't ignore this teaching. And he's invited us to pray, to trust that God will provide for us. And then he sums up all of this teaching, not just today, but, but all that he said in the Sermon on the Mount, and says, this is the sum of it all. Do to others as you want them to do to you. This is so foundational for the life of a Christian. Remember back in Genesis, at the very beginning of the story, when God creates heaven and earth? God creates everything, and he says that it's good. And then God creates male and female. And do you know what it says about humans in Genesis chapter 1? That each and every one of us are created in the image of God. Each and every one of us carry God's image. We are all image bearers. We show one another, we show the world what God looks like. This is who God is. God looks like this. And Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount brings our attention back to the fact that what God desires most for his creation is for this creation to reflect his image well. God cares for you and I. And God cares for the person that we're tempted to judge and condemn. And God cares for the person who doesn't listen to God's teaching doesn't listen to Jesus' teaching. God cares for each of us. And God wants us to show our love to one another. God wants us to share this image amongst ourselves. To treat each other with respect and value and dignity. Because each and every one of us is created in the image of God. And so we treat one another as we ourselves want to be treated. 
And in so doing, we treat one another as, in fact, God would treat us. This idea, this wonderful golden rule, is not unique to Jesus. But I love that Jesus shares it anyway. In fact, I want to share with you uh, one of the other rabbis of the time, a guy by the name of Hillel, said this. He said, what is hateful to you? Don't do that to your neighbor. That's the whole Torah, while the rest is commentary thereon. Go and learn it. See, Jesus is tapping into this long tradition that, that goes back with Hillel. It goes back to the, to the law of Moses. It goes back to the creation itself. Jesus wants us to understand that this is at the heart of who God is. At the heart of who God is is treating the creation, treating one another as God's image bearers, treating each other as we ourselves would want to be treated. All of the law is built on it. All of the prophets are built on it. It's all about this idea of how we, as a created person, in the image of God, see and then treat the people around us as the images of God, too. Everything is built on this, Jesus says. Everything that we do has to connect to this. Throughout the whole Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has been leading us to this. Jesus has been leading us into a new way of living. That it's not about a certain group of people at a certain time. It's not about a certain place. It's not about the way that we can do good things. But it's about what God has already done. God has created us as his image. And now we reflect that image to one another. We treat each other as if we were treating ourselves. After all, that's exactly what God God looks around at the creation, looks around at you and I, and God sees his image. And yeah, we mess it up. There are times in our lives where where we cover that image with, with all kinds of wrong and sin and evil. But God, at the heart of who God is, wants us to know and understand that we are created by God, that we have the opportunity to share in life with God. All throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has been leading us to this. How we act, what we do, who we are, the kinds of things that that run our minds, the things that we worry about nonstop, even things like money, even the religious things that we do like praying and fasting and giving. Everything that Jesus has talked about till now is built on this. Jesus wants us to learn how to treat one another as if God We're treating each other that way. As we near the end of our service today, I want to share with you a story that I recently heard. It's about uh, a man that you may or may not have heard of. I had not heard of him before I heard this interview. His name is Scooter Braun. Scooter Braun is uh, a name uh, that is infamous in the music industry. Scooter Braun owns two record labels, and he produces some of the most current music stars' music. Uh, He's well known for working with people like Usher and Kanye West and Ariana Grande, uh, people that uh, are very big in today's society. But perhaps Scooter Braun is most famous for discovering and promoting a guy by the name of Justin Bieber. Who in the room has heard of Justin Bieber? Oh, come on, don't be shy. Uh, uh, Who's heard of Justin Bieber? Yeah, okay, a lot of us, uh, most of us. Justin Bieber uh, was discovered by Scooter Braun when he was 14 years old on a YouTube channel. 
And Scooter Braun saw the talent that Justin Bieber had, and, and he saw that talent, and he wanted uh, to capitalize on it. And so he brought Justin Bieber in, and, and Justin Bieber all of a sudden is becoming famous. All over the world, Justin Bieber uh, fans are popping up, and, and this guy, this kid who's from Canada, uh, who's just been posting his music on the internet, uh, all of a sudden goes from this internet star to a, an actual star. And then not just a, a star, but like a superstar all over the world. Justin Bieber is playing his music, becoming famous. And over the course of Justin Bieber's career, over the past couple of years, Justin Bieber has gone through a lot of highs and lows. Justin Bieber has, has grown in fame and popularity, and, and I'm sure his wealth is, is accumulating too. But along the way, Justin Bieber's had some troubles. He's had some problems. Uh, he's been arrested a handful of times. He's, he's nearly been charged with a couple of different crimes. Uh, in fact, in 2014, this is crazy. Uh, in 2014, over a quarter million Americans petitioned the White House. They, they signed a petition, sent it to the White House, asking for Justin Bieber to be deported back to his home country, Canada. You haven't lived. Maybe you haven't been hated until you've had over a quarter million people ask for you to be deported out of the country. Uh, he's been through a lot of highs and lows. Uh, just last year, in 2017, China banned his music, banned him from performing in all of China. Uh, he's like not welcome there. He's had plenty of highs and lows. And along the way, a crazy, bizarre thing happened. Justin Bieber, this guy who's gone through these hills and these valleys, who, who's had uh, tremendous success and yet has faced uh, legal trouble along the way. In 2014, Justin Bieber attended Hillsong Church in New York and was baptized there. And he began to try to discover what it meant to be a Christian. And over the years, he still had his problems. He still had issues. And yet, there he is, trying to learn what it means to follow Jesus. Getting back to Scooter Braun. Scooter Braun looked at the life of Justin Bieber. He saw his whole career. He, Justin Bieber is still signed under Scooter Braun's record label. And Scooter Braun looks at this tremendously talented young man who's, who's been gifted in so many ways, who's had tremendous success and fame, who's got wealth, and yet who's also gone through these difficult moments of being arrested, of being asked to leave different countries because of who he is and the life that he lives. Scooter Braun, in an interview this past month, had this to say about humanity. I don't think human beings were made to be worshipped. We were made to serve. I think we worship something upstairs, whatever it may be. I respect everybody for their beliefs, but there's something bigger than us that can be worshipped. I think as human beings, we're here to serve each other, and that's the only way to keep our sanity. Scooter Braun, this uh, music industry tycoon, this guy who's, who's been tremendously successful himself, who's got two record labels, he looks at the life of Justin Bieber. He looks at that, the peaks and the valleys and he sees what has happened and he, he says, people aren't made to be worshipped. We're made to serve each other. Scooter Braun is not a Christian. You can probably tell that from his quote. And yet, do you see the teachings of Jesus, how they're seeping into this story that, that Justin Bieber and Scooter Braun are telling? What Jesus wants for his disciples and for his followers is to look at the life that they're living. First and foremost, to judge themselves, to try to hold themselves to this standard of, of, that Jesus is calling us to. 
He, he's asking us to, to pay attention to his teachings, not to ignore them, not to dismiss them, not uh, to, to throw them out. He's asking us to trust that God will provide for us. Because the foundation of everything is who God has created us to be. The foundation of what God wants for us, what Jesus is trying to teach us, is how to love each other, is how to treat each other as if God were the one treating us this way. How to treat the person across the aisle from us as if they are us, ourselves. The golden rule. Treat one another as you want to be treated. It says a lot about what is at the heart of who God is. And we do this not just to keep our sanity, as Braun said, but we do it to show each other the love that God has for each one of us. We do it to reflect the image that God created us with. Even in the moments when all we can see are little specks floating around in each other's eyes. This morning, we're going to continue worshiping. And as we do, I want, you, uh, I want to invite you to reflect during this moment. To think about the ways that, that you can grow into this teaching. That you can grow into the kind of person that God wants you to be. The kind of person that Jesus is asking you to be. The follower. The disciple of Jesus. The one who pays attention first and foremost to what they are doing. Rather than the people around them. The one who tries to change themselves and tries to listen to the teachings of Jesus. The one who trusts in God to provide and, and consistently asks God to be present in their lives. I want to invite you to reflect on that. But this morning, if you're here, and if you have not decided to follow Jesus, if that's not something that you've done yet, but it's something that you're thinking about, I want to invite you to come and spend a few moments with me. Come and talk with me, because I want to talk with you about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to put on baptism, to be clothed in Christ to be given a new opportunity to follow this Jesus that we love and worship. And this morning, if you'd like a few moments of prayer, godly men and women are going to gather around the room. And we invite you to go to them as we stand together and worship this Christ who teaches us how to love each other and how to serve those around us. Let's stand and worship.